De'Aaron Fox is still listed as doubtful for Game 5 of the Kings and Warriors playoff series tomorrow. However, he said in practice today that he's playing. So I'm here with good news on Locked on Kings. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked on Kings. Hello and welcome into Locked on Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all postseason long. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off of your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm a Sacramento sports reporter and producer for ABC10 News. And it's so good to be home recording this podcast from my home studio here. Uh, but it was in my drive home from San Francisco where the news dropped for me the same as it dropped for all of you. De'Aaron Fox fracturing a finger on his left hand, which is his shooting hand. I had no idea. Me- Kings media, NBA media in general, had no idea about this incident De'Aaron Fox did a fantastic job, I wouldn't say of hiding it necessarily, but he certainly didn't complain about it, and he didn't let it bother him. With the exception of the clip where most believe the fracture happened, which actually happened on a dead ball play, De'Aaron Fox was fouled and then continued to just go to the rim for a layup. He and Kevon Looney met, uh, I guess, collided. Um, Kevon Looney kind of slapped it, Fox's hand going for the ball, uh, and that's when the injury allegedly took place. You can see Fox shaking his hand uh, after that play. Other than him shaking his hand, which I didn't notice, and I don't think anybody really noticed in real time, there was no indication that De'Aaron Fox had anything wrong with him. Like, I was standing within three feet of the guy in the blocker room post-game, and he had no ice on it. He was not holding it in any kind of way. He was not wincing or indicating that anything was wrong whatsoever. I mean, De'Aaron Fox is, an, is, for lack of a better term, De'Aaron Fox is a warrior. Like, he just fights through, and he fight through, uh, fought through injuries uh, at different points this season. He's fought through injuries and played through injuries for the majority of his career. He's been known for playing banged up at times. Uh, so we had no idea that Fox had anything wrong with him. Then that bomb drops uh, yesterday, and instantly we're thinking doom and gloom. He's listed as doubtful. But there was some optimism, and I don't know if it was – more wishful thinking on my part or what it was, but just knowing De'Aaron Fox, I just, I had a feeling he was still going to be playing and we still, it's still not guaranteed or confirmed that he is playing other than the words coming out of his own mouth. In fact, let's start there. Here is De'Aaron Fox who participated in non-contact Kings practice today. Uh, You can find clips on social media uh, of him uh, shooting, shooting free throws, uh, shooting three pointers, trying to get comfortable with the uh, splint and wrap uh, on one of his fingers on his shooting hand. But here's what Fox had to say about playing in tomorrow's game five after practice was over. How you feeling? Uh, I feel all right. You think you'll be able to go? Uh, most likely, yeah. I mean, uh, for me right now, it's just a tolerance on like the pad of my finger, making sure I can shoot the ball. How, how different was, was shooting feeling with, with that thing on? Um, as, a, as we got going, as kind of the pain started going away, um, I felt like I'd do my normal shot, so I think I'll be good. How's the ball, ball the handling with that? Is that- uh, the ball handling action was fine. Like, as soon as I got out, uh, dribbling and passing was was fine. So uh, for me, the most the most important thing was was could I shoot? Uh, 
as pain-free as, as possible? Like, I have to play with protection on it. Um, like, if I don't play with the protection and it does get hit, then I'll probably have to get, like, a screw in it. So, uh, I mean, what I'm wearing, like, I think the big thing for me was could I feel the pad of my finger? Like, you know, if you, you're playing basketball, you're throwing a ball, like, you want to be able to feel the ball on your finger. So that was a big thing for me. And, I mean, it's protecting what it needs to protect. So, uh, it's been fine. What's the pain about like, 35, 40 shots out there? How did that feel? Uh, just now? Just now. Oh, yeah, I was, I was, I was okay. I think uh, when I first got on the court earlier, like before practice, uh, it was a little bit more difficult. But as it got going, um, obviously as painkillers are kicking in, uh, uh, it felt better. Game basketball. Oh, I, I expected to get yeah. hit. But, um, How are you going to deal with that? I mean, at this point during the season, something hurts anyway. So, um, I mean, you, pay, you, you, play, you play through the pain. There, there's no excuses coming from this way. What's the medical staff saying about the possibility of you playing? Because I imagine it's probably up to them before it's even up to you, isn't it? Uh, I mean, it's going to be the cliche. If it feels regular season, probably don't play. Sit out for a week or two, see how it feels. Uh, but right now, there's no... No ifs, ands, or buts. Uh, I'm, I'm playing. Sometimes teams have to protect players, right? Fox obviously wants to play in every single game that he possibly can. He's a competitor. He's a fighter. He just wants to play. Of course, you don't have to convince him of the stakes of this game five. This game five is massive. More than likely, and, and NBA history will tell you this, whoever wins game five is, is probably going to win this series. If the Sacramento Kings lose game five, I'm telling you now the Sacramento Kings are losing the series. I don't think the Sacramento Kings would win game six in Golden State if they lose game five in Sacramento. This is a pivotable, uh, pivot, pivotable, what's the word? Pivotal, geez. It's, I speak for a living and I can't talk. This is a pivotal game for both teams. Like the Warriors have the momentum coming into this game, although we know they've been dreadful on the road. Obviously the home team is not lost yet in this series. And here is De'Aaron Fox, going into this game still listed as doubtful and is probably going to be listed as doubtful until the day of maybe it changes to questionable tomorrow what have you but De'Aaron is saying hey I'm playing sometimes the team has to protect the player though right because the player is always going to want to play Fox knows the stakes but if it potentially could make it worse or have a a, a significantly uh bigger impact to De'Aaron Fox's career Sometimes it's the responsibility of the team and the training staff to ignore what Fox wants and, and, and go with his best interests at heart. Let me tell you why I'm not concerned about that in this situation, because we're talking about a, a finger injury here. If it was like Fox dealt with hamstring injuries earlier in the season, if Fox's hamstring were flaring up or Fox had injuries to his feet or injuries to his knees or, or something like that, I'd be a little more concerned about hey, this could have a lasting impact on Fox's future. The Kings really need to uh, consider holding him out maybe against his will a little bit. But with a finger injury, like we've seen with uh, DeMontis Sabonis, who's played the majority of this season now with his broken hand or broken thumb and the, the injury that he's had, you're able to play through it, theoretically. It's probably going to have some sort of impact on his game. DeMontis Sabonis' injury to, is to his non-shooting hand. De'Aaron's injury is to his shooting hand. So... It's probably going to have some sort of impact. We have no idea. De'Aaron Fox uh, was saying that uh, he felt pretty good about it and that he uh, could still feel the ball like on his finger, which is really important. Um, so all indication should be that De'Aaron Fox will suit up and play. And I'm not concerned uh, about the team's need to hold him out or protect him from himself when, sure, this is an injury that could flare up. Sure, it could get worse. It might need surgery. 
Who knows? And of course, De'Aaron Fox is going to run the risk of having his hand whacked anytime he's attacking the basket or he tries to work his way amongst a, a crowd of warrior defenders. That's something I think he's more than capable of, of, of handling and, and living up to. And he's aware of those risks and aware of those circumstances. And the risk factor isn't as significant as again, it might've been had it been like a foot, a leg or, or, or a knee injury uh, or anything of that sort. So I think the expectation should be like, if I, if I were betting on the situation, the expectation should be that number five is going to play, not just because of what he said. Um, although I believe him in saying that he's going to play um, just based off of the significance of the injury, based off of the history of the Kings with hand injuries and, and broken finger injuries this season, even though Fox's injury and Sabonis's injury are, are, are completely different, of course, and based off of, of course, the importance and the significance of game five. So number five is probably going to be suiting up for the Sacramento Kings. He's going to be ready to go. It sounds like he's going to be ready to go, which is excellent. Again, the question is though, is De'Aaron Fox at a hundred percent or not? Is De'Aaron Fox going to be able to be the guy that the Kings have relied on for the first four games of this series and will probably need to rely on if they want to win this series? Is Fox capable of being that guy with the hand injury? Well, we can look back at the last five or so minutes of the fourth quarter after he suffered the injury in the first place, he hit that massive three to give the Kings a chance to win at the end of the game. Uh, and he still played very well and very effectively. And we had no idea that there was anything wrong in the first place. So we can take heart or take positivity from that at the very least. But also the reality is whether De'Aaron Fox was coming into this game 100% or not, he needs more help than what he got in game four. I understand Keegan Murray was excellent, and I understand the Sacramento Kings nearly won that game. Uh, and they don't need a whole hell of a lot more help. It's not like De'Aaron Fox is going to need every single person to score 15-plus points and, and make up uh, for the 31 or 30, 32 points per game that De'Aaron Fox has been scoring, right? I, I'm still pretty confident that Fox is going to be able to score in the mid to high 20s at the very least for Sacramento, even with the injury to his hand. At least I'd like to believe if he's playing through it, he's capable of doing that. But guys like Kevin Herter, DeMontis Sabonis, Harrison Barnes, three veteran players who have played in the playoffs before, who are part of the starting lineup, you need those guys to step up big in this game. DeMontis Sabonis has not been himself really at any part during this series. I give the Golden State Warriors a lot of credit for that. And those of you who know the, the, the smack that I talked before the series or the previews of the series, I had very little faith in anything the Golden State Warriors could do defensively against DeMontis Sabonis. I've been dead wrong about that, and I have no problem admitting I've been dead wrong about that. The Warriors have done an excellent job minimizing DeMontis Sabonis' impact, and it's a damn good thing they did because if they didn't, they would have been swept in four games more than likely based off the fact that even without Sabonis playing as well as he's capable of playing or even close to as well as he's capable of playing, the Kings are still even 2-2 with the defending champions. If the Kings get a big performance out of DeMontis Sabonis, they're winning game five. But on top of that, like guys like Kevin Herter, right? I, I know the Kings as a team have struggled shooting in this series, which with the exception of game four. Kevin Herter, historically, if you look back at this series, on games where Kevin Herter was engaged when he was scoring, when he was impactful, the Sacramento Kings are winning the vast majority of those games. Kevin Herter takes so much off of the plate of guys like Fox and Sabonis at times when he is hitting shots. And on top of that, he naturally compliments them with how well he spaces the floor. We saw bits and pieces of that, but for Keegan Murray, 
with how well he was scoring and spacing the floor and, and, and the perimeter shots that he was hitting in game four, right? And then Harrison Barnes. I spent the whole game four post-game podcast telling you it's not Harrison Barnes' fault that the Sacramento Kings lost that game. I stand by that absolutely 100%. At the same time, Harrison, you're a veteran. You're a steady presence. You've been here, done that before. Could the Kings win with Harrison Barnes only scoring nine points? They damn near did it in game four. So yes, they, they don't need Harrison to be a massive scoring impact, but they need him to be impactful in other ways, period. They need him to bring a veteran presence, a steadiness, to game five, and there are going to be ups and downs during this game. And especially if De'Aaron Fox is not playing at 100% capacity or is not capable uh, of, of playing at the highest level uh, that he normally plays at or scoring at the uh, to the volume that he's capable of scoring at and he has scored at in the series. Those three guys in particular, the Kings are going to need and are going to lean on heavily. I'm hoping Keegan Murray still has a great game. I'm hoping Malik Monk has another great game coming off the bench. I hope Davion Mitchell continues to play really well. I hope Trey Lyles has an impact spacing the floor off the bench as well. Like I want everybody to play well and, and expect everybody to make an impact in some state or uh, way, shape, or form. But the reality is the veterans in this series for the Kings have not performed to the level that is expected of them. The Kings' best players in this series have been De'Aaron Fox, his first playoff series, at times, Davion Mitchell, his first playoff series. Malik Monk, his first playoff series. And then in game four, Keegan Murray, his first playoff series. Veterans, the Kings need you to step up in this game regardless of the health status of De'Aaron Fox. That's non-negotiable. Whether Fox plays or doesn't play, we're going to be paying a very close attention to what these veterans do. And I, I bring this up not in a negative, uh, or I say this not in an overly negative way or an overly critical way, but these are things that Monty McNair is keeping an eye out, out on, right? Because we're getting context of what the Kings can and can't do in the playoffs. We're getting an idea of how good the Sacramento Kings can be and how they can potentially build upon that. Fox has proven he's capable of, of success on this stage. I think Keegan Murray's too young to make any kind of ultimate decision, but what we saw from Keegan Murray in game four, great. What we've seen from Malik Monk off the bench, great. What we've seen from Davion Mitchell, great. How do the Kings improve from here? Monty is taking a look at guys like Kevin Herter, taking a look at guys like uh, um, Harrison Barnes. The Kings have a decision to make about Harrison Barnes this offseason. I'm going to stop and 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 pump the brakes a little bit and make sure I, I'm not saying or suggesting that that DeMontis Abonis having a bad playoff series is going to change Monty McNair's mind on how much of a, a part of the Kings' future DeMontis Abonis is because that's a little extreme. Sabonis, I think, is, is struggling with this matchup just as much as he's struggling with the playoff stage. But impactful veteran players, especially two starters in Kevin Herter and, and, and Harrison Barnes, if they're not stepping up and, and carrying the weight that they need to carry for the Sacramento Kings, those are things that Monty McNair has to ultimately look at if he's looking to improve this roster. Those three players, Herter, Sabonis, Barnes, I'm keeping a very close eye on the impact that they have and what they bring to the table for the Sacramento Kings in game five. But the good news is it sounds like no matter what, they're going to be suiting up still with number five on the floor. And even if Fox is not, at 100% peak speed burst scoring, clutch player of the year, 
all NBA first team capable, like even if Fox is not at his 100% best self, him being out there still makes a massive difference for the Sacramento Kings. And if Fox is only capable of getting you 20 points instead of 31 points, it's on the rest of the team to make up those 11 points and then some, especially defensively, when dealing with a Golden State Warriors team that is going to be gunning for the Sacramento Kings, trying to build upon their momentum and recognizing that if they win game five, they can put things to bed on their home floor in game six on Friday. Like I said at the top of the show, today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is brought to you by Game Time. This is, in my opinion now, the best app for you to go to to get any of your tickets, especially last minute. My wife and I decided while we were in San Francisco, one of the off nights, Friday night, we decided, hey, we're staying right by Oracle Park. Why don't we go catch a Giants game? We hadn't thought about it until that day. We hadn't really planned anything until that day. So we went to buy the tickets just three hours before game time. We ended up sitting in the infield down the third base line behind a, a dugout about 15, 20 rows up for like 45 bucks a pop. And those tickets the very next day on Saturday were going for like a hundred and something uh, bucks a pop. These are the deals that you can get on game time. And the reason why we got such a great deal is because they were having a flash deal and game time has these flash deals on tickets for basketball, football, baseball, sporting events, concerts, comedy, theater, you name it. And the game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. And if you find tickets in the same section and row for less game time, will credit you 110% of the difference get you can see exactly what your view is going to be like uh, from your seat and also helped me make my decision of buying those tickets at, at Oracle Park the Giants tickets you can buy tickets in a matter, matter of seconds I was able to scoop them up really really quickly and the tickets are sent directly to your phone so you don't have to dig through your email or anything like that it was super easy for me to get them and get in download the game time app create an account and use code locked on NBA for $20 off your first purchase terms apply again create an account and redeem code locked on NBA for $20 off Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is also brought to you by FanDuel. Grand slams, no hitters, and double plays are back. Yeah, we're talking about baseball season. There's no better place to get in on all the MLB action than on FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. That's because right now, new customers can step up to the plate with a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Now, of course, this isn't just for MLB betting. It's for NBA playoff betting as well. At FanDuel.com slash locked on, you sign up, you place your first bet, and you can get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you don't win. It means FanDuel wants you to continue playing, right? They don't just want you to deposit your money, make one bet, lose, log off, and never come back on. It's like an insurance policy. You either win that first bet, win your money, and just carry on, and you're already in the green, or FanDuel gives you multiple opportunities with bonus bets to get that money back and get yourself back into the green, and they're not going to take anything away from you. It's not like a loan or anything like that. It's just free bets for you to get yourself uh, back into that green and to ultimately have fun. So don't miss your chance to get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. I'm not sure if you saw, but ESPN actually announced that Game 4 between the Kings and the Warriors was the highest rated opening round NBA playoff game in 21 years. That's pretty incredible. 
Kings and Warriors has been popping off. I, I said on yesterday or the last Locked on Kings podcast that this series has been a lot of fun from just a pure basketball standpoint. You take your rooting interest out of it and you're just watching basketball. Fox versus Steph, Splash Brothers and Dynasty versus uh, Fox Sabonis and this this new era Kings team who uh, hasn't been to the playoffs in 17 years or just made their return to the playoffs for the first time in 17 years. Like this, this series has so much to it, so much narrative, so much drama. The games have been excellent, and it's good to see the television audience and television ratings reflective of that. And ultimately, who wins Northern California? Right. Well, actually, all NBA wins for for how entertaining the series has been and has, how fun this series has been. But Northern California is winning because Northern California basketball is being put on the map right now. And that's something that I said coming into this series that I thought was going to be a lot of fun. The fact that these two teams were not just playing in the playoffs together for the first time, but they were clashing and meeting in, in a playoff series together. And the reality is we all, no matter who we're rooting for, should be rooting for the best of the best to be available playing. Like we should all want, Warriors and Kings fans should all want De'Aaron Fox playing. Warriors and Kings fans should all want Steph Curry playing. Like we want to see the best of the best. We don't want this series with how close and fun it has been being marred or decided or changed because of injuries, especially to star players. I think one thing about this series that sometimes has gotten ugly I think this is the first time truly I think a lot of Kings fandom and Warriors fandom has has really been introduced because when the Kings were really good, the Warriors sucked. So the Kings didn't think much of the Warriors fan base. The Warriors have been really good, of course, over the last nine or so years during this dynasty. The Kings have sucked. So the Warriors haven't thought much of Kings fans. Well, now both these teams are together and there's trash talk that I've actually really enjoyed. I've had great interactions with Golden State Warrior fans on social media, whether it's talking trash or uh, seeing them face-to-face at, at games inside the Chase Center. Look, I, I've seen Kings fans and Warriors fans interacting in the Chase Center, and it's been fun. There's been trash talk, but it's been within the realm of the sport, within the realm of the game, and nobody was getting physical, although I've seen these videos of these stupid, ridiculous fights happening outside the Chase Center between Kings and Warriors fans or fans fighting at the Kings watch party for game four inside the Golden One Center. You all look stupid. You're all idiots. Like you, you, you're a poor, piss poor reflection on the organizations, on the fan bases. It doesn't matter who said what or who's in the right or who's in the wrong or who threw the first punch. You all look stupid. Like fighting at sporting events is dumb. It's just stupid. And the majority of fans are able to talk their trash and go at one another and say what they got to say without taking it and letting it escalate to that level. And I've seen, I was in Chase Center the last two games. I interacted with Warrior fans who were wonderful to me. I inter- I watched Kings and Warriors fans interact with each other and they were encouraging each other in, in the sense of like, hey, let's let's talk, let's have some fun, let's spice this up, let's put some, th- I mean, we both want our teams to win really, really, really bad, but it didn't escalate and get to a point uh, of just like drunken screaming and cursing at each other or throwing punches or pushing or shoving or any kind of contact made. Like that's how it should be. And I understand there are idiots on both sides. There's fan base, there's idiots in every single fan base, right? So I'm not saying that one fan base is better than the other or anything else, but I will say that I have seen the ugly side too of Warriors fandom. I've seen the ugly side of Kings fandom. Like I already knew the ugly side of Kings fandom exists. I've existed with them and interacted with them for almost my entire life and certainly my entire career. What I find funny 
is how the narratives around this this series have so drastically changed from after game two to where we're at today. And yeah, Warrior fans, I'm kind of calling you out here. And it's even Warriors media members, Warriors radio. I was listening to Warriors talk radio. I've been listening to Bay Area radio a lot this week. Most of it's fun. I've I've appeared on Warriors uh, shows and, and, and Bay Area radio, and I've had a lot of fun talking smack to people that I... I have no problem talking smack to and just talking the series and previewing games. And it's, it's all again in good fun, but the ridiculousness of the inner, like the, the gap between game two and game three and the amount of bitching, moaning and crying that came not just from warrior fans, but from Bay area media and this, these ridiculous narratives like DeMontis Sabonis uh, was using the ball as a weapon and is in a tremendously dirty player that Draymond Green didn't do anything wrong stomping DeMontis Sabonis in the chest and that Sabonis was faking and milking it. There are people saying, now these are more fans than media members, that are saying that De'Aaron Fox is faking or milking this injury that he's dealing with with his hand. There were comments of the league wanting the Sacramento Kings to win and conspiracy theories as to the referees were screwing the Golden State Warriors over and helping the Sacramento Kings. And now suddenly this series is even two games apiece and suddenly there's a swagger suddenly there's a, oh here we go golds warriors like oh oh here we come we're the defending champs it was a cute run queens uh but here you go where the, the the big boys are here to put the little kids to bed like it's it's i get it <laughs> trash talk happens circumstances change i don't think there was any kings fan with a brain cell that was going into game three going we got this series on lock and maybe kings fans were feeling themselves after game two saying like sweep or kings in five or whatever just having fun and celebrating but the reality was kings fans knew and sacramento knew that this series was far from over and that the golden the the golden state warriors are such a damn good team at home that it was going to be tough for the kings to win any games let alone both games to complete a sweep I think it's funny going into game five, how all of a sudden there's this confidence and this belief uh, from from Golden State Warrior fans that the Kings are dead and the Kings are doomed. And this was even before De'Aaron Fox's injury. When five days ago, it was a complete and colossal meltdown because the Kings were up 2-0. The reality is this, for both sides, Kings fans included, this series is super even. And I think that speaks more to the credit of the Sacramento Kings than anything else. The Kings are going toe-to-toe with the Dynasty Warriors. This series is super even. It's going to go to six games minimum. Might go to seven games. I predicted it to go to seven games. I think it should go to seven games with how good the series has been. This series is a coin flip. It truly is. Which I think is excellent for both teams. Excellent for both fan bases. So let's have fun. Let's talk our trash. I don't think we need to go overboard if the if the Kings win game five and start making all these excuses, just like if the Warriors win game five, Sacramento Kings fans shouldn't make all these excuses. Look, the Kings lost game four because they missed a big shot and they turned the ball over. You're not hearing excuses on this end, or at least from me. Sacramento Kings honk over here. The Kings lost game four, fair and square. The Kings lost game three because they got their ass kicked in other areas of the box score other than just shooting that they've actually done pretty well for the rest of this series accountability over here. I know why the Sacramento Kings are losing basketball games. I know why this series is two to two. And it's certainly not because the Golden State Warriors are intentionally trying to hurt the Sacramento Kings, just like 
DeMontis Sabonis is not trying to use the ball as a weapon to take out Draymond Green and Kevon Looney and whoever he can get his hands on. That's enough of that silliness. Just enjoy the series for what it is. Two really good basketball teams going at each other. Either one can win. And it looks like it's going to be the Lakers who are going to be waiting for both of these teams or either one of these teams after this series is over. I like both these teams against the Lakers. I know the Lakers are playing well, but I think the Golden State, and maybe I'm maybe I'm disrespecting the Lakers a little bit. I think the Warriors or the Kings are going to have an easier time against the Lakers than they're having against each other. This episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is also brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy the way it was meant to be played. Here's how it works. You pick two to six players, and if they will go and score more or less than their Prize Picks projection, you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. So let's say for game five going in, that De'Aaron Fox's projection is 25 and a half points. Let's say DeMontis Sabonis's is 22 and a half points, and uh, Steph Curry's is 30 and a half points. Let's say you pick the over on all three. If you get that right, you can win 25 times your money. No competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections. Available prize picks offers projections on any sport that you watch, including the NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL, PGA, college football, men's college basketball, women's college basketball, soccer, WNBA, esports, NASCAR, tennis, MMA, boxing, disc golf, Euro basketball, cricket, and more entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. They offer safe and fast withdrawals, currently operational in over 30 states and in Canada. Download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, you get $100. You deposit $50, you get $50. Don't forget to enter promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. I believe. And I don't have this number exactly in front of me, but I believe in an NBA in NBA playoff series, the winner of Game Five wins the series over eighty percent of the time. I think, from the Kings' perspective, I think it is more likely for this series to end in six if the Warriors win Game Five than if the Kings win Game Five. Not a homer take, of course. That is a very, that's more of a pro Warriors or positive Warriors take. If the Sacramento Kings lose game five, if they lose tomorrow night, I think they're losing this series in six. If the Sacramento Kings win tomorrow night, yes, there's a bunch of pressure on the Golden State Warriors, but they're going back to Golden State where we know they're very, very, very good. So I would have to reassess going into that game based off of how game five goes. If this game, if this series goes to seven, it's as big of a coin flip as it could possibly be, especially in Sacramento. Maybe the home team wins out for this entire series and the Sacramento Kings simply win because they have home court advantage. Maybe it ends up coming to that. I don't know. But game five is a massive, massive game that the Golden State Warriors, I think, could probably afford to lose. The Sacramento Kings, I don't think they can afford to lose. Game five. But if the Aaron Fox is 80 to 90% of what he's capable of being and what he's been so far in this series, I don't think the Sacramento Kings are losing game five. Guys need to step up, Fox included. You know, the Golden State Warriors are going to show up ready to play and trying to throw some haymakers. Maybe game four, what they did against the Kings in game four offensively was the best that they can do. But it doesn't mean that they can't rally and do the same thing again. So the Kings have to be prepared 
for that. I can't wait for game five. Of course, the energy in the Golden One Center is going to be off the charts. I know Draymond Green is going to get booed out of this building. I also know that De'Aaron Fox deserves a massive ovation and hopefully gets that from the fans uh, if he does end up playing hurt. If there's any more updates that come out about De'Aaron Fox's status, I'll, of course, have them for you on the Locked on Kings podcast. You can find my updates on Twitter at MattGeorgeSack. You can email me, MattGeorgeSports at gmail.com if you have any questions. Uh, and, of course, if you want to comment on anything on today's show, uh, you can in the YouTube comment section down below. Warriors fans, I see you, and I do appreciate you. I've had good interactions with you. I know a lot of you have come from my throat about my anti-Kavon Looney uh, takes and things like that going into the series. You can take victory laps on that all you want. Kavon Looney has been excellent. The Sacramento Kings are still 2-2 two to two with the defending champ Golden State Warriors. So you can say that, and I can still feel excellent with how the Sacramento Kings have played and where the Kings are at to this point. This series has been a blast. I want it to go forever. It's been so much fun, uh, and I can't wait for Game 5 tomorrow. I also can't wait for the next episode of Locked On Kings. We'll have a post-game episode after tomorrow night's game, win or lose for the Kings, uh, so be sure to join me for that. Until then, my name is Matt George. You have been listening to Locked On Kings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.